podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm your host, Andy Mitz. I'm joined tonight by Mike Plank. How are you doing tonight, Mike? Well, Andy, I'm doing all right. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Well, last time we talked, we had the pleasure of talking about football, and really there's not much else to talk about, unfortunately, going into the weekend. So uh, we'll just go ahead and jump right in. The the, the first thing, before we get to the K-State game, um, you know, it, it came out just yesterday, I believe it was, that uh, Armstrong did, did some interviews and made a comment that essentially said that, you know, he has some teammates in the locker room that just don't care as much. Um, what I ended up reading out of that essentially is that we've got guys that are, that are quitting on the team at this point, um, which, I mean, given the way the season has gone, is not really necessarily too surprising. But what do you think that really says about – the team is it is it more of a, a coaching issue where they're not able to, to get these guys motivated um or is it just you know the guys are checking out because they don't, just don't really care i <laughs> who knows uh we talked about we talked about this a few of the commenters did on the site and one of the news and notes earlier this week and i think i agree with the commenter who said that uh that basically that this is you know and daniel why Daniel Wise said that, you know, it's not a coaching problem. We've got to play better. And then Dorrance Armstrong kind of doubled down the next day and said, you know, the, what, what you've talked about there. And, and so it kind of, if you go back to Daniel Wise, I guess he gave a, uh, he stood up and he was senior this year. He stood up and gave a speech after the TCU game and got all fired up and, and, and you know, whatnot. And some of those comments then he, he related back to the media the next day. Anyway, um, I agree. That said, I agree with the commenter who said that, that that despite what Daniel Weiss says, that it's not the coaching staff, that it's on the players to do better, that's still on the coaching staff. Like, I mean, they, they need to be – like, why aren't the players doing better? Why don't the players care? Like, motivation is part of coaching. Uh, I, it, it all goes back to this coaching staff. And – and I hate to see it, but every week we just see more and more shades of Turner Gill, and it's it's disheartening. Yeah, and I think I think honestly, it's not just the fact that you know the coaches' jobs are there to, to motivate people, but it's the fact that the coach comes out after his player, you know, his players say that there's some guys that just aren't, you know, giving it everything. And he comes out and says, oh, no, everybody's fully bought in. You know, everybody is doing just fine. We have no problems with attitudes in the locker room. Yeah, the culture is fine, he said. Right. I mean, so Beatty is essentially, you know, lying to everyone's face, which, I mean, he is, you know, he's, we've, we've talked about it before. He's the ultimate rah-rah guy. He's the ultimate, you know, glass three-quarters of the way full. Um, you know, I mean, everything is over the top with him, and everything is, is going good. He's got all this excitement. And that's, that's great to have when there's actually something to be excited about. But what it, what it shows is that he doesn't have uh, that, that ability to kind of call things as he sees them. Because I, I can't imagine that he really honestly thinks that everything is going absolutely just fine, um, you know, that everything's going to turn around tomorrow. 
and that and that you know this is just a, a bump in the road. I mean, there's some legitimate problems with the team. So either either he can't you know evaluate things honestly when it calls for it, or he just has no clue what's going on. And either way, it's not a good look at all for the for the head coach of a Power Five program. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I hate to say it at this point because we've kind of talked about it ad nauseum, but, you know, it, it really, every day that passes by, every time we hear from them and after every game and every interview we hear, you know, it, it just becomes more and more clear that Beatty is not the right kind of guy for this program at this point. You know, if, if, if it was a program that was on the rise and really just, or, or, you know, really needed to be restocked with talent, you know, it was it was a good idea to try to bring him in for his recruiting ties. But you know, you've you've mentioned this before on Twitter. I, I've seen um, we have no recruits currently committed for this next class from the state of Texas, which is the main reason Bay Bay right. brought in. So right. you know, really, the only thing you had to say good about Beatty coming in was, well, he's going to be a fantastic recruiter. You know, and he's going to bring that positive energy that we need in order to get the program turned around. But what we've seen now is, well, he's not recruiting the areas he was brought in to recruit very well, or at least he's not able to hold on to those recruits. And when when the program needs a healthy dose of reality, a healthy you know dose of, of serious reflection on what needs to change, he's out there every single day saying, "Man, that was you know that that was tough, but we're just fine. We're going to turn it around. You know, there's no there's no cause for concern." And I mean, I just don't understand how he can say that with a straight face. And if he is literally saying that with a straight face, you know, and that he truly believes it, then there's there's something else going on there that I just don't think is going to get us where we need to go. Um, I'm absolutely loath to give Shane Zinger another opportunity to hire another head coach, um, but you know, it's it's becoming more and more clear that we've got to do something. I don't know what exactly we're going to do, and and, I, and again, I don't I don't think Zinger is going to be the one to do it. I think honestly, we're going to end up cutting ties with pretty much everybody after this disaster of a season. Um, I just wish it could happen. You know, we, we, we could see something happen before then so we would, you know, at least have something positive to think about for the rest of this football season. Yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, going back to kind of all the positivity stuff, like the, the problem with that is it's, it's become institutionalized. Like he's almost – I don't want to get into politics, but, I mean, it's – is is he playing to his base? Like you know, like kind of the way that, that Trump got elected. Like, I mean, just a few days ago on Twitter, there's a tweet. And let me read it to you, just word for word. It says, "Join the positive movement for our coach and our players. Positivity breeds positive results." I mean, if that were true, David Beatty would be Nick Saban, not have three wins in three years. I mean, he's the most positive guy ever, and the, the results are not there, and that you can't even point to progress in. Like things have gotten worse every week this year, and it, it it just dumbfounds me how clueless people are about the direction of the program. Yeah, I mean, I I honestly thought this the debacle we had last week against TCU, we were at least going to hear something, you know, that there'd be rumbling about potentially replacing guys or be some sort of talk or, you know, there would at least be a, an honest reflection from the program, you know, that obviously stuff is not going well and that we need to do something to shake it up. 
maybe not, you know, something clear about what they were going to do to shake it up, but at least an acknowledgement of how dire the situation is right now. And we didn't even get that. I mean, you know, people were talking, you know, Beatty gave his standard. Yeah, that, that was a tough loss, but, you know, we've got to move on uh, and, and, and things are going to get better because we'll make sure it turns around. I mean, essentially, that's what he said. it wasn't a direct quote, but that's essentially the message he's been giving us every single week this year. Um, and, and, you know, it's just the fact that there has been no change at all, and we're not hearing rumblings from donors that, that you know, at, at this point are pushing to get stuff changed or anything like that. I mean, it, it just seems like essentially people have been beaten into submission with the, with the positivity. But everybody realizes that nothing is going to happen right now. A lot, you know, mainly because Zinger's boss is brand new, and so he's going to, you know, take some time to evaluate what's going on there. And, you know, Zinger's put together this huge fundraising program to potentially be a, a problem to try to, you know, replace him while that program is going on, which also means then that Beatty can say whatever he wants, and no one's, you know, going to be able to do anything about it. So, um, you know, it's just it's hard to see where that turnaround is going to come from. And yeah, positivity does breed positive results, but only if there's something to justify the positivity. So you can be, you know, all sunshine and rainbows all you want, but if there's no reason for that attitude to continue, you don't see any kind of improvement, then that attitude quickly becomes just a facade that people stop paying attention to. Um, and that's the point that we're at at this point. You know, I mean, there was, there was some real, um, there was a really good reason for positivity when he first came in, despite an 0-12 season. Because, you know, we knew all the challenges. We knew the fact that there was a very depleted roster. Um, you know, we knew the situation that Charlie Wise left us in. And so there wasn't any expectation at all for, for that first season. But you could see some potentially positive signs. And then the second year, you know, we, we started to build on something. We started to see some results, even though it wasn't, I think as much as we wanted, we still kind of understood the challenges. We were still seeing some sort of improvement. But this year, you know, the year that he said, yeah, everything's coming together great. You know, this is the year you're going to see something. And we haven't seen anything at all. But he's keeping that same positive attitude. And it's to the point that people understand that it's just, you know, a bunch of crap at this point. But there's nothing we can do about it. There's, you know, I, I can't think of anything that we could possibly do force them to make some sort of change. Um, it's going to take, well, yeah, we don't have the kind of money. Well, right. I mean, it's going to take the big money donors, but even then, I don't think that there's that the appetite for it at this point. And honestly, I don't blame them because the last couple of times we did that, we, you know, we ended up pay, having to pay off big contracts. Um, and the results haven't gotten any better. So, I mean, I just, I don't know what, what is going to take at this point to get a realistic assessment of where the athletic program is at. Um, but that's honestly what we need. It's, it's very discouraging to, to hear them say that over and over again. And I'm not surprised that the players are having a hard time buying in. I mean, you've got guys like Wise and Armstrong who are bought in, you know, who, who are trying as hard as they can. But those are also guys that probably have, you know, a legitimate shot at making it in the NFL. And so they have to continue to perform. They have to continue to motivate guys. They have to continue to show that when things get tough, they're going to push through. Because, you know, that, that's a requirement for a guy to go to the NFL. If, if, if they don't think you can handle that kind of adversity, then you don't get to play. And so they have le legitimate reasons to keep pushing for that and to keep trying as hard as they do. But some of these other guys, you know, that are, that are on the roster there, you know, they're, they're in there because we just don't have other guys. And there's no honest expectation, I think, for them to make it. And so, you know, if, 
if I was a guy that was playing college football because I got a scholarship that allowed me to go to school and I didn't realistically think I could make it to the NFL, I mean, what, what incentive do you have to be busting your ass every day? I mean, you know, to, to deal with going out and being embarrassed every single week and not have it affect you, not, you know, not uh, have it affect your demeanor and, and have you get discouraged. I mean, if, if I was going to work every day and, you know, everything was going wrong and, you know, we were, we were getting creamed, you know, and, and I just never accomplished anything, I'd have a hard time enjoying that job. I'd have a hard time keeping my head up until we found a real way to make a change. Um, and, you know, so, so these guys here, they just, they just aren't seeing it. And, and I don't blame them at this point. All right, now that we're all thoroughly depressed, right? <laughs> Let's go ahead and move on to what may be even a more depressing thought of the, the KU and K-State game coming up on Saturday. Um, you know, last I looked, the line is at 24 for K-State. Um, they're, they're actually here at uh, Memorial Stadium, so they're in Lawrence this time. But, you know, Contrary to last year where we were playing at Kansas State and everybody thought there was at least a decent shot that we could potentially do something, um, you know, I'm not seeing any opportunity, even though it's at home for us, to, to really keep this one close. I mean, is this going to be more of the same of what we've seen the last couple of weeks where the offense can't really get anything going at all and we're just, you know, by the, by the time we get through the first quarter, it's basically over? Yeah, I mean, that's generally the story. I guess I understood that. Uh, maybe when we lose by eight touchdowns again, we'll have a new athletic director. But I mean, who knows if that'll be embarrassing enough? Maybe we need to, you know, not have a hundred yards of offense for the third game in a row. Um, couple of fun facts: last nine quarters, KU scored zero points and has 137 total yards of offense. Um, I believe they've been outscored 118 in the last nine. I'm sorry, you were you were, were cutting out. They got outscored what in the last nine quarters? I I, I believe it's 118 to nothing, but I don't have that stat right in front of me. Yeah, over the last nine. No, the guys over at uh, total yardage is just ridiculous. Just ridiculous. Um, somebody actually asked Steiner earlier this week. I don't. Did you see that? If uh, KU's in as bad a spot as K State was in when he got there in '89? Yeah, and, and uh, no. <laughs> yeah, he said no, which. I agree with, for the most part. I, I do think there's one caveat. Um, you know, I do agree with him in the sense that, you know, KU's not the losingest college football program of all time, which K-State was. Uh, you know, KU doesn't have, you know, I think K-State has been to one bowl game in their entire existence when he got there. Uh, you know, we've obviously had more than that. We've been to a couple of Orange Bowls. We've won a couple of conference titles, stuff like that. Um, you know, we have really, really nice facilities for the players. Not, you know, we don't have a great stadium. It's, you know, almost a hundred years old now and, you know, it needs updating, but the players don't care about that. I don't think anyway. Um, As long as the stadium is full, they don't care. As long as they have nice locker rooms and nice dorms and a nice practice facility, and they're going to have an indoor practice facility by next year, by this time next year. So they're going to have everything they need facility wise. And K-State had nothing even close to that in 1989. Uh, You know, so I I agree with them in that sense. But, you know, aside from the facilities, recruits don't, I don't think anyway, I'm not a college football recruit, I I guess I don't know for sure, but I don't know that recruits care about bowl games that you went to 50 years ago or 40 years ago. Right. Or even even 10 years ago 
Like they don't care. It's it's what have you done for me lately? And in that sense, in that sense, KU ha- is in a similar condition as K State was. Uh, you know, they've won three or fewer games over the last eight years. Uh, you know, the same thing had happened at K State before Snyder. Uh, and you know, the scholarship numbers aren't aren't there. I mean, they're getting up there, but it's because we're giving scholarships to walk on to would be in Division Two if they hadn't walked on to KU, you know? Right. So, you know, the, the talent level is down. The scholarships are down. Um, I, in that regard, I think that the two programs are similar. But in terms of overall, and maybe even in terms of overall perception, but in terms of overall everything, you know, facilities, fan support, all that stuff, uh, I mean, if, if these guys would go out and win five games a year, that stadium would be 80% full. Yeah, I, I, I do think that the product – is similar now there are different circumstances surrounding that but i think that the the actual football team personnel is and and recent history is similar enough that you can make a comparison yeah and to be honest when i first saw that i thought it was um going to kind of be the other way around i thought he was saying that it was you know worse <laughs> i mean i saw that quote basically he said no and i'm like yeah, you're right. It's a whole lot worse for Kansas now. I mean, obviously, K-State didn't have any of that kind of tradition. But you also have to think about how long ago that was. There was a bigger disparity between the best and the worst back then. But only because, you know, scholarship limits and things like that. It was a lot easier for the for the brand name, you know, power schools to be able to. Yeah, there were no scholarship limits. Oklahoma would have 125 guys on scholarship. I mean. That's right. Well, I was trying to remember yeah. when they kicked in those those limits. I guess it was. Yeah, I, I don't. It was sometime in the eighties. I don't remember. Well, right, right. So, so if we're talking about eighty nine, I think I think scholarship limits were were probably pretty new at that point, if they were there at all. Um, you know, but but basically, right. So, so the the very top team were probably a whole lot better in comparison to bottom teams. But what we see now is, you know, there there's a lot of other teams that have been able to kind of build their programs based off of. You know, just what else is going on. The fact that Kansas is so far down, I, I mean, I think you'd be hard-pressed to say that K-State was as bad compared to all of the rest of college football as Kansas has been in the last in the last decade. I mean, Kansas has been absolutely atrocious. And, I mean, this year, you know, it's, it's hard to not say legitimately that Kansas is probably the worst team. Well, I mean, they're, they're by far the worst team in the Power Five. But I, I would almost make an argument that they're probably one of the worst teams in, in – or the worst team in football, you know, bowl, the, the bowl subdivision. Um, you know, I mean, the, the latest S&P has them at 124 out of 130. So, I mean, they're right there. Well, right. And, and, and honestly, you know, I think in a lot of cases, the only reason that they're above some of the teams below them, well, it's one, because they got that win to, you know, against an FCS school. Um, but also, too, the fact that they played a much stronger schedule than any of those other guys down there. And so that, that inherently boosts them up just because of the competition that they face. But, I mean, you know, if, if I would not pick them to beat anybody that they could schedule. You know, if we played school number 130 right now, I, I don't think we'd be favored. And we shouldn't be favored the way we've been playing. So, yeah, probably not. Right. But, I mean, so, you know, think about, though, the last, you know, five years. I mean, it hasn't been really any better. We've gotten an occasional out-of-nowhere upset win. But, you know, as a – as, as the old saying goes, even a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. I mean, you're going to have wins even from really bad teams just because it's, it's pretty much impossible to lose, you know, for three seasons straight without any wins at all. Um, 
So, I mean, we're just we're looking at very, very bad football, a very bad program. I mean, and, and if anybody, if you asked anybody right now, obviously there'd be a little bit of recency bias going into it. But, you know, I, I think if you ask any, any observer right now which one was worse that, that had seen both of those teams or had experienced both of them, I don't know that they could honestly say that back then it was a lot worse. And Man, I, I don't know. I don't. I do do a little Google research tonight. I'm never. Gonna, I'm not going to say that KU is worse now than K State was then. I I think Bill Snyder's right. I think that K State was worse then. Uh, you know, simply because of the the facilities and all that stuff that we're talking about that KU has access to nowadays. That, I mean, Bill Snyder had to build everything from from the bottom of the barrel, and it's, it's just not like that in Lawrence. And, and yeah, the records are similar, and but and you do have a point. You know, KU has lost forty four straight road games. You know, K State only lost thirty seven in a row. So <laughs> you know, so um, you know, the, it's the records and the on field product. I think is very similar, but the overall situation I think is different enough that I I don't think that. I mean, I honestly don't even think it's that comparable. I think K-State was that bad. I mean, I, I guess I could see that. Now, to be honest, I'm not, you know, a K-State sports historian or anything like that. I'm not as familiar with just how bad it was. And, and you know, thinking about it, I wasn't, I wasn't yet five years old when that happened. So <laughs> I don't have any personal experience with it. I'm sure some of the guys that, was, that uh, comment on the site would be able to, to kind of let us know if it really was that bad. But, uh, you know, I just, I just think that and, – and, and I guess part of it, too, is things always tend to seem worse now just because there is so much more exposure to it. You know, a team like that that was that bad back in, in the 80s um, probably wasn't going to get covered very well. Oh, yeah, they just well. tore it away in anonymity and nobody cared. So. Right, exactly. So, so that, that probably colors my, you know, my, my thoughts about it a little bit. But – yeah. And, and now you've got KU being talked about on ESPN and by national radio shows and by national talk shows. I mean, they were on Pardon the Interruption the other day. Like, it, I mean, it's yeah. So the exposure is definitely there. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I mean, it's they're even on like late night talk shows. Yeah. Like, no. Yeah. made a joke about them. I don't know if he did it on air or if it was like a Twitter thing or something, but he made a comment about it. You know, talking about you know. The, the ultimate futility or something to that ridiculous, you know, but I mean, yeah, so it, it's, it's all over the place, you know, back, back in the eighties, people wouldn't really care until it got to the point where it broke an actual record. And then there'd be a yeah. little blurb about it in the newspaper, unless you right. lived right where it was happening. Um, but everybody would move on. Nobody would care because really people only cared about, you know, teams like Notre Dame or, or um, Alabama, or you know the, the the teams that were at the top of college football at that point. That's what anyone. Old, old, that's the only thing that anyone ever cared about. Nowadays, you know, it's all about hey, look how bad they're doing. Let's laugh and make fun of them so that we can feel okay about our mediocre team. You know, right. that happens all the time. I, I mean, and, and yeah. honestly, we're living in the age of the troll, where everybody likes to make fun of other people whenever they get the opportunity. And Kansas is an easy punching bag, so. All right. Well, let's let's turn back to the actual game. You know, I was reading some of the some of the highlight or some of the uh, previews here, and it looks like you know K State's been struggling recently. Um, it looks like in their last five games, they've had four losses in their last five games. So yeah, they obviously are are having some some issues. Um, but of course, Kansas is kind of just what the doctor ordered at this point. I, I don't know that Kansas is uh, has any has had any better 
recent history at any phase of the ball for them. Um, so, yeah, K-State K is outperforming KU in every statistical category at this point, obviously. Um, and it looks like part of the issue that they've had is that their, their quarterback, just Yurtz, has not actually been healthy. Um, he's expected he, is, he is supposed to play, yeah. Right, he's expected to come back this week, which means that KU is probably, you know, in for, for a complete beating because Ertz was playing really well at the beginning of the year. Um, when he went out, that kind of coincided with their struggles. I would expect if he is actually back and he's 100%, um, yeah, it's not even going to be close. We're going to get down really early. I, I could see not even, you know, I could see more of an Iowa State-type beating where the defense causes us to make mistakes early and our defense just has no answers because the field's either going to be too short or, or you know, when we finally start to, to keep them from – you know, starting on our side of the field, they're just going to be so dead because they've been on the field all, all day long. So I, I'm expecting us to get absolutely destroyed. Um, I, I don't know if we're even going to score any points, honestly. I think Kate's yeah. defense is, is actually pretty good compared to some of the other teams we've been playing. Um, you know, I, I would have to say I think K-State's defense is better than West Virginia's. And obviously we scored quite a bit on West Virginia, but I also – you know, I, I'm also not convinced that we would ever be able to replicate that success because we don't seem to be able to run the ball anymore, um, and we don't even try, honestly. So, you know, I, I'm not expecting us to really have any sort of success at all. I wouldn't be surprised to see us get a third straight shutout. Yeah, I would not either. Um, I wouldn't expect. I wouldn't be surprised to have it be 31, 38, nothing, 38, seven, something like that at halftime, and then see a lot of Alex Delton in the second half and then have him rush for 200 yards in one half. Like, th this would not surprise me in the least. And I just – I've got zero hope for Saturday. That would be such a Kansas thing to do, too. Let a guy, yeah, and, you know, make – And it's, there still wouldn't be any changes. Well, of, of, of course not. Of course, part, <laughs> part of that, too, is, you know, at this point, I, I'm almost resigned because I don't know who they could bring in. Like, what change could they make that would make you think anything's going to be any different at all? Short of, you know, firing everybody except for Tony Hall and, and Meacham and saying, okay, you guys run the team. <laughs> but well, you know, I, I don't think you can be firing. The only, the only coach you can fire right now is either Clint Bowen or, or Beatty. Um, David Beatty. Uh, I don't think you can just clean house in the middle of the season. Like, that's not going to work. Well, um, I don't I, what, what they need to do is get rid of Zanger and then – get a new AD in, in just a month or two, like what Nebraska did. Let that guy evaluate Beatty and then decide what he wants to do. That's, that's what needs to happen. Agreed. And, you know, we, we, we talked about what Keegan had said in his article um, about how, you know, the only way that he sees Singer really getting on the hot seat is if we got completely destroyed by TCU and then followed it up by laying an egg against Kansas State and basically the same thing happening. Well, we're halfway there. So let's, there, let's, yeah. let's see if his prediction comes true because I don't see any way that Kansas keeps this game competitive. Um, I'm just hoping that Keegan's right. You know, I, I don't say that very often that I hope that Keegan's right, but I really do hope he's right in that once we lay an egg against K-State this weekend, maybe we'll actually start to see some momentum towards getting Zinger out. You know, I, right. And the only way we do keep it close is if they turn the ball over a lot, if we get five or six turnovers. And K-State is not a team that, like, when was the last time you saw K-State beat themselves? Well, I mean, right. it's, it's been a while. Like, that's probably not going to happen. Like, we're not going to line up 
and play toe-to-toe with K-State for 38 minutes like they did against Oklahoma last week. Right. Well, yeah, and that's and yeah, and right. That's exactly the thing is that you know they just came off a really good performance. They honestly should have won that game against Oklahoma. Um, the the defense, you know, gave up a, a play. It was just a really bad play, and Oklahoma actually got pretty fortunate that they were able to go ahead and and finish that off. Um, so yeah, I mean, I have no illusions that, that Kansas can can hang tough with K State, and I would even venture to say that. You know, we would have to have a, a Texas-like game and that we would have to get yeah, that's what I'm saying, yeah. five or six turnovers with at least one or two of them resulting directly in points to, like, bring us within the five-yard line or, you know, a pick six. I mean, if we don't have something like that, I just don't see how we can get close. And we have to start early like, like, like we did in that game against Texas. I mean, once, once Kansas State gets up by, you know, 14, 21 points, um, basically if they get up by three touchdowns, it's pretty much over at that point. I just I don't see how we have the the will on this team to actually come back from a deficit like that. So yeah, yeah, no chance. All right. Well, I think we've depressed ourselves enough for one evening. Hopefully, you know, everyone listening will um, find find something that they can enjoy in this podcast. <laughs> I, I hate to you know do this every week on our Friday episode. Uh, I wish we had a, a guest we could bring on, like like when we had Jill Dorsey Hall. Um, that that was great to end on that on that sort of note. But unfortunately, we don't have anything like that today. The only thing we do have is to go ahead and just run through the rest of the action we have going on this weekend. Um, or actually, we we can talk about um, well the, the the volleyball team had a couple matches since we last talked. Um, obviously, you know, sweeping Texas Tech and then going five against Oklahoma in Lawrence. I was a little surprised that they ended up going five, but then again. You know, I, I guess I wasn't I wasn't too horribly surprised. You know, it looked like the the team was just a little bit off, which happens from time to time, especially in a long season like that. Um, and it was the second time facing Oklahoma, so Oklahoma kind of knew what to expect, had an opportunity to kind of game plan. Um, and if I remember correctly, it's not like we went down and you know destroyed Oklahoma when we were down in Norman. I, we played four sets. So right. It's not like you know they were completely overmatched. Oklahoma is is a team that has been improving. Um, so while I wish they would have, you know, they would have been able to win it in three or four, I'm I'm not too terribly surprised that it took five. But all right, so let's see. So coming up this weekend, though, Saturday, they are in I or they are in Ames to play at number 22 Iowa State. So it'll be another ranked matchup for them, um, which will be a I think it'll be a really a really good match. I mean, it was if if. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we talked about this last week, too. Iowa State, we were down two sets to none uh, down here in Lawrence, and then we were able to right. come back and won the last three sets. Yep. So, Iowa State is not, obviously, a team to be taken lightly. Um, it should be a really awesome match. Uh, you know, I, I kind of wish it was at home just because I like to play the big matches at home when we can. But if they go up there and they, and they win that, that match against Iowa State, um, you know, that's the perfect thing to kind of keep them rolling. Uh, we have a little bit of, you know, we have uh, they're, they're going down to TCU next week as well, and then we have the rematch of the Sunflower Showdown the week after. So uh, we have got a lot of big volleyball matches coming up soon. Uh, so it it should be exciting. That that at least should be something you guys can look forward to. Um, you know, if if you can tune in, it's uh, Saturday at 7:30 at night. I believe the match is on ESPN three. I haven't seen where they put it on TV anywhere else. 
um, but it's probably going to be on Jayhawk TV as well for those of you that have. Uh, is it is it Comcast there or Time Warner? I'm trying to remember who it is. Uh, what so I think got out? Spectrum now. I think they got bought out. Oh, that's right, Spectrum now. But yeah, so so for those of you that are lucky enough to have Jayhawk TV, um, you you can actually watch that on your television. Otherwise, you'll have to use ESPN3 if you're out of network enough that it'll let you. I don't I don't remember if they blacked those out or not. But either way, so that's something to look forward to. Um, so we've got swimming this weekend. We've got cross country this weekend. We've got all kinds of stuff like that going on. Tennis is going on. Um, oh, and then uh, Friday at 7 p.m. So so this is this this episode is going to come out Friday morning. So this evening, by the time you guys are hearing this, uh, they the women's soccer team will be hosting West Virginia at 7 p.m. There's been some some rough results for them. They uh, they upset. Uh, Texas, I believe it was, um, but then they went ahead and lost some matches that I'm not so sure that they should have dropped, but but that's all right. So, yeah, so, I mean, we, we have quite a bit going on this weekend. Um, next week, obviously, we have the first, well, I guess now the second exhibition game for, for men's basketball. So, uh, men's basketball season is it's upon us. It is coming very, very soon. Uh, it will be nice to have something to talk about other than football. So, all right, Mike. Before we head out, is 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 there anything else else you want to talk about tonight? Well, I think I'm depressed enough for one minute. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to come up with something next week so that we're not just talking depressing football. We'll have to have something else to talk about. So, um, sounds like well. Thank you for joining me tonight, and thank you guys for listening. For those of you that that actually held on to the end of the podcast, congratulations. That is quite an accomplishment. You should be proud of yourself. Um, but do not let that deter you from tuning in on our next episode. We will have something to talk about on Monday. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what, other than the football team. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely come up with something. You'll definitely want to tune in and, and figure out what we have. Um, but once again, thank, thank you guys for listening, and uh, we will catch you next time on the Rock Talk Talk Podcast. Podcast Network. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers.